grab a blanket and snuggle up, for we are about to begin story time with the herd. Welcome, I'm your host, Magus. In this episode of Storytime with the Herd, we will be taking a look into the history and story of Kingdom Hearts' Chain of Memories. It was a long road to get here, but we finally made it through the game. And I am so happy. For those of you who watch me play this game on my Twitch page, knows how frustrated I was by the end of it. I hate this game, guys. I love the story behind this game, but I hate the battle system. Now, I do love a good card battling game, I have a few of them, but Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories battle system is ridiculous. It's perfectly fine with Sora because you can fix up the deck, you can change it around, but once you get to Riku's portion of the story, oh my fucking god, it is horrendous. You can't maneuver anything around. Not to mention, some of the worlds, oh, the deck cards are so bad. But you know what, guys? We made it. Not only did we make it, we made it through proud mode. And I never have to play the game again. <laughs> Alright, now that I've got that ranting out of the way, why don't we start with the history of Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories. To start, Chain of Memories was originally a 2D game that was released on the Game Boy Advance in Japan November 11th, 2004 and then later released worldwide on December 7th, just in time for all those KH fanatics to get their next game fix. The 3D remake, Rechain of Memories, came out for the PlayStation 2 in Japan on March 29th, 2007, and then worldwide December 2nd, again around Christmas time, because who wouldn't want to replay that game? You guys can't see me right now, but there was a big eye roll. <laughs> Now, in my research for trying to find some fun facts about this game, I didn't find a whole lot. So in the original game, Chain of Memories, Tetsu Nomura was originally going to call the game Kingdom Hearts Lost Memories. Now, of course, he didn't. It ended up being Chain of Memories, though I couldn't figure out why that changed. And then, this is actually a really cool fun fact, Reverse and Rebirth are homophones in Japanese. Neat, right? Uh, that's, that's about all I could find on that. Uh, some of you are probably wondering, though, what the differences are between Chain of Memories and Rechain of Memories. Now that, I can help you with. So, between Chain of Memories and Rechain of Memories, there were actually a bunch of different changes between story changes, mechanical changes, and visual and audio changes. I found a few, and I'll share that with you guys so you can go, oh, so that's the difference, or oh, I didn't know that they did that. So we're going to start with the story changes and Rechain of Memories. So in Rechain of Memories, they included flashbacks from the first Kingdom Hearts games into cutscenes. And they added a scene of the organization's unseen members at the ending of the game. Neat, right? No? Well, I thought it was neat. So the mechanical changes, unlike in the original, items could only be collected once 
her room. Unless a new room was created or the rooms that serve as the entrance or exit for the world have been reset. As such, barrels and barrel spiders no longer reappeared if you re-entered a room, which is nice because I fucking hate the barrel spiders. When viewed on the map, the special rooms now glow white to identify which one you need to open. And when Sora has a key to rewards card in his possession, the room of rewards location is revealed by a blue glow. Now, some of you probably don't care about any of that, but I shared it with you anyway, so now the facts are in your head, so haha. <laughs> the last part that I'm gonna share with you is visual and audio, which I actually found really cool. So when you first, you know, meet Axel at the beginning of the game, he introduces himself to Sora and he says, got it memorized. But in the original, it was commit it to memory. Some of you are probably going, all right, so why is that something that you like so much or found really cool? And it's because Axel is my absolute favorite character from Kingdom Hearts and Got It Memorized is his iconic line that a lot of people who love the Kingdom Hearts series know him by. So that's why I found it really cool. That's it, guys. That is all I have for you for this beginning of the episode. So we're going to jump right into the story summary of Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories. Now, there are two sections of the story. We have Sora's side of Chain of Memories, and we have Riku's side of Chain of Memories. And that's because Sora and Riku grapple with their respective struggles in a castle that projects the memories of its visitors. So with that being said, we are going to slide right in to Sora's side of the story. Sora, Donald, and Goofy had continued their journey together to locate Riku and King Mickey, who remained behind in the realm of darkness. One night, the group was guided by a man in a black coat and eventually arrived at a strange castle. It was called Castle Oblivion, a place where you gained something in exchange for losing something. Sora received a card created from his memories and began to make his way through the castle in order to, in the man's word, reunite with those you hold dear. For some reason, the townscape of a world Sora had once traveled to spread out before him on the other side of the door. However, all of the inhabitants who should have been acquainted with Sora insisted this was the first time they'd met. It seemed that both the town and the inhabitants were illusions created from Sora's memories. Confused, Sora and company left the world behind. Axel, one of the comrades of the man in the black coat, appeared before them and attacked. After ascertaining Sora's abilities, he departed, leaving behind a warning that Sora might eventually no longer be who he was at that moment. As they progressed through the castle and visited worlds from within their memories, Sora and his friends realized their memories were growing fuzzy. For confirmation, they went to review Jiminy's journal, in which their past adventures had been recorded. 
and found to their shock that all the pages were now blank. Sora realized the meaning of the words that he heard at the entrance to the castle. To find is to lose, and became worried that he might forget Riku and Kairi if he proceeded onward. Just then, an unknown girl in white appeared within Sora's memories for just an instant. Due to the manipulations of the organization, a group made up of figures in black coats, strange things began happening to the memory of Sora and his friends. Sora suddenly began to remember that there was one more person in his home world besides Kairi and Riku a quiet girl who liked to draw. The group hurried onward to learn more about her. Then, a member of the organization, Larsine, appeared before them. In the middle of battling the woman, Sora remembered that the name of the girl in his memory was Naminé. Furthermore, Naminé was being held prisoner in this castle, according to Larsine. Impatient to save her, Sora headed toward the heart of the castle. As he pushed on with a single-minded desire to see her, he found himself face to face with Riku, his best friend. Riku seemed to have completely forgotten the friendship they once had because he was hostile towards Sora, saying he was going to be the one to protect Nominate. Although in low spirits from his best friend's complete change in behavior, Sora thought about the fact that he, Riku, and Naminé had always been together, and he followed after his friend. However, Sora hadn't realized something. The existence of Kairi had been completely removed from the group's memories because of the memories of Naminé that had been recalled. The person who guided Sora to Castle Oblivion and the one in charge of the castle, Marluxia, had ordered Nominate to alter Sora's memories even more. Unaware that the girl's power had distorted his own memories, Sora remembered more and more things about her, and his feelings about her grew stronger. Eventually, Vexen, a member of the organization who held animosity toward Marluxia, appeared and alluded to the existence of another side of Sora's memory. In Twilight Town, a world that reflected that memory, Vexen hinted that Sora's memories had been painted over with falsehoods. However, before he could say much about it, Axel annihilated him. After Sora left Twilight Town behind and continued through the castle, Riku stood in his way once again. Sora was bewildered by the fact that his and Riku's individual promises to Naminé and the item related to her that they each had were exactly the same. In contrast, Riku insisted that Sora's memories and good luck charm were fake and attacked him. After Sora barely managed to drive Riku away, the star-shaped good luck charm Riku had dropped transformed into a card of Destiny Islands. In the illusion of his birthplace that the card created, 
Sora finally ran in to Naminé. However, she told him she wasn't really the one in his memories and urged him to think of who was most special to him. At that moment, Sora faintly recalled the image of Kairi, who had been replaced by Naminé in his memories. Naminé's ability was manipulating other people's memories and creating fake ones. And apparently the Riku who had been hostile to Sora was just a replica puppet made in Riku's image that Naminé had given false memories to. After Larxene revealed everything, Sora and his friends defeated her, and then they also heard Naminé's side of the story. Naminé said that Marluxia had threatened her into changing the memories of Sora and the others, and she apologized for this. However, even knowing that his memories were lies, Sora's desire to protect her remained unchanged. Sora, Donald, and Goofy, learning that they could regain their own memories through Naminé's power if they defeated Marluxia, headed for the top floor of Castle Oblivion. Axel, who had been conducting an investigation under orders from the organization, had caught on to Marluxia's plan to use Naminé's power to manipulate Sora and take over the organization. He attempted to dispose of the traitor, but Marluxia took Naminé hostage and forced Sora and Axel to fight. With Axel out of their way, Sora and company got assistance from Riku Replica, who had come to his senses and rescued Naminé. They chased after Marluxia, and the final battle began at last. Sora defeated Marluxia, locked the keyhole on the top floor, and closed the book of his struggles in Castle Oblivion. All that remained was for Naminé to return the memories of Sora and company to normal. But in the process, they would forget the events in Castle Oblivion, and by extension, Naminé herself. Naminé asked Sora a question. Would he rather lose his memories of Castle Oblivion and regain his old ones, or keep his memories of the castle and give up his old ones for good? After thinking hard about it, Sora chose to get his original memories back. Determined to thank Naminé after they woke up, Sora, Donald, and Goofy went to sleep. They believed that someday they would reunite with Naminé and become friends again. Don't worry, you might forget about me, but with our promise, I can come back. Now that we know Sora's side of the story, let's go and see what Riku had to struggle with along his journey. After closing the door to Kingdom Hearts from the Realm of Darkness's side, Riku drifted in the space between light and darkness. A mysterious voice woke him, and as though the card he took in his hand was transporting him there, he arrived at the deepest basement in Castle Oblivion. Only dwellers of darkness such as Heartless and Villains were found in the worlds created from Riku's memories. 
the owner of the mysterious voice, Ansem, Seeker of Darkness, told Riku it was because only darkness remained in his heart, and he urged him to accept the darkness. However, the voice of King Mickey he heard from somewhere encouraged him, and after Ansem was out of the way, Riku was determined he would not yield to the darkness and would go all the way to the end of the castle. In one of the basement rooms, Zexion, Lexus, and Vexen had sensed Riku's presence in the castle. Vexen had an interest in Riku, who stood in the space between light and darkness, so he sent him to a replica constructed from Riku's data. After barely managing to drive away Riku replica, who wielded the power of darkness without fear, Riku single-mindedly kept moving onward to refute Ansem's words. Perhaps you are the one who is being fake. Meanwhile, after returning to the basement room with the others, Riku replica was brought upstairs by Vexen, where Naminé immediately manipulated his memories. And once he was remade as Naminé's childhood friend Riku, he headed for Sora, who was ascending the castle to protect Naminé. Now, more cautious about Marluxia using Sora for his own ends, Zexion and Lexius decided to take possession of Riku in case the Keyblade Master, who was needed to achieve the goals of the organization, was stolen. Lexius sought to subjugate Riku by sheer force and attacked him. Although Riku fought back, his body was taken over by Ansem, Seeker of Darkness, the moment he lost consciousness. After being cut down by the transformed Riku in an instant, Lexius got an inkling of the true identity of what dwelled within Riku and regretted his own carelessness as he disappeared. Ansem's powerful thoughts drew near to the consciousness of Riku, who had fallen into darkness. Suddenly, King Mickey's will came rushing to Riku and released him from Ansem's control just in time. After regaining consciousness, Riku felt for certain that King Mickey's heart told him that he'd always be with him, and he proceeded further up the castle. At that moment, Sora had just defeated Marluxia upstairs. Marluxia disappeared, and Zexion no longer needed to obtain Riku. In order to dispose of the boy, who was now just in the way, Zexion showed him a sense of his birthplace being destroyed and wrapped him in an illusion of light. I'm fading away into the light. Riku was about to accept this when the voice of Kairi reached his ears. Riku was encouraged by her statement that both light and darkness would make him stronger. He used the power of darkness to break the illusion and defeat Zexion. Although Zexion escaped to a room in the basement, Axel, who didn't consider Zexion's existence a good thing, directed Riku Replica to absorb him, and Zexion disappeared. Since Riku no longer feared the darkness, 
the power of Ansem lurking within him had also grown. A mysterious man named Diz, who had been disguised as Ansem up to that point, appeared before Riku. Riku started to head for Nominee, following Diz's advice, but standing in his way was Riku Replica, who would remember that he was a fake. He wagered his own existence when he challenged Riku to a duel, but in the end, the replica could no longer escape his fate as an imitation. Somehow looking fulfilled, he melted into the darkness as he listened to the original speak. When Riku reached Naminé, he also fought Sora, who had gone to sleep in order to get his memories. When Riku reached Naminé, he also found Sora, who had gone to sleep in order to get his memories back. Naminé told Riku that if he slept like Sora, she could use her powers to lock Ansem away in his heart forever. However, Riku turned down her proposal and chose to face the darkness lurking within him. Wishing to settle the score under his own power, he took a risk and turned down the help of King Mickey, who had come rushing from the realm of darkness. He confronted Ansem alone in Basement 1 of Castle Oblivion. Although Riku destroyed Ansem at the end of a fierce fight, he wasn't able to completely sever the connection between them. Seeing Riku decide to walk with darkness inside him caused King Mickey to discover a new way of looking at the relationship between light and darkness. With their friendship deepened, the two left Castle Oblivion behind, wearing the black coats Diz had given them. They walked along the road to dawn, where light and darkness touched. Wow. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like Riku had the toughest time out of both of them. Not only was he struggling with trying to find his friends, but he was also struggling with the darkness within himself. Just wow. I felt so bad for him playing his side of the story and reading more about him. It just felt like I could resonate, you know? Everyone has to deal with the darkness. But you know what, guys? If Riku can fight his darkness, I bet you guys could do it too. Let's be more like Riku, everyone. Let's fight our inner darkness and shine into the light. I know that was really cheesy, but I am a cheesy person. <laughs> thank you guys for listening to this episode. And I want to thank you guys for continuing to support me on this journey. Whether it is donations, whether it is just coming and watch me on Twitch, whether it is just giving a, hey, I'm lurking, but I'm here watching you play anyways. Or maybe you're just someone who really likes listening to the podcast. I just love knowing that you guys are out there supporting me in something that I really enjoy. You guys are sincerely one of a kind, and I love every single one of you. With that, we're going to go into the outro of this episode. The music in this episode is copyright Square Enix, and I am able to use it due to their material usage policy. This episode is not sponsored or endorsed by Square Enix. 
I'd like to give a special thanks to Vry Kirion. You can find him on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube at Vry Kirion. That's V-R-Y-K-E-R-I-O-N on all platforms. If you liked what you heard, you can find me on Twitter at AncientMagusX, Twitch at XAncientMagusX, or you can jump into my Discord server. The invite is in the episode description. Thank you all for joining me on this journey and be sure to stay tuned for the next installment.